you didn't grow up in Australia, right? No, I'm originally from the US. I've, I've been in Australia for about 10 years. No. Um, and, and yeah, I came for my, and for an internship for six months. Right? So that was the, <laughs> that was the goal After, at, the, at the end of my bachelor's degree. Um, yeah. I, I thought, you know, I'll go do something, right? Get out, get out of my little small farm town in, in Oregon, in the US and see something. So I came to Australia for an internship that was, the internship wasn't exciting, but, but meeting the people and venturing here was quite, was quite exciting. So it, it, yeah, yeah, I really have that six months has turned into 10 years. What was your expectation about Australia? I mean, 10 years ago. Um, good question. Uh, I didn't know. Like I, I, I think in that, in that time we still had encyclopedias. <laughs> I, don't know what it was, but I remember seeing the opera house and I remember seeing, I don't know, um, you know, Crocodile Dundee and, you know, that kind of stuff. I didn't have a lot of, a lot of insights in it, um, yeah. but I was a bit, a bit impulsive in that and in, in the way I chose it. It was just something that I always wanted to do and somewhere I always wanted to go and the opportunity came available. Um, yeah. And so I just kind of jumped on it and I came with, I actually didn't even have a, didn't really have a place to live. I had an internship that was unpaid in one of the most expensive cities in the world for six months. <laughs> and and I, I came into a backpackers because I couldn't really choose a place to live over over the over the internet, right? There was so it was a it was a tricky game. It was an interesting time, but yeah, I just kind of ran with it and found a nice group of friends and a nice place to be in, in the in the eastern suburbs and and yeah, that's yeah, it was it was really really exciting exciting times so what made you stay after six months um i actually i went back i went back to the us um my brother had a wedding and life went on and then a few months later uh i started working in construction or something and three yeah. a few months later um my friend who who went back as well she said oh ian we got to go back and i said um yeah let's go back and we, visas are always a problem so she's like I found, a, <laughs> I found a master's program right I found a master's program and they have a project management construction construction project management degree and you know it's you get student loans and that kind of stuff and I was like okay great I signed the papers got on the airplane <laughs> I don't even know if I googled it to be honest with you I didn't I didn't put a lot of um, a lot of energy into it besides the excitement of coming back um, and yeah so we just came back and found ended up moving back into the same share house and yeah and I, I actually changed um changed degrees at orientation day to uh to a degree that fit who i was better it was people and it was called project leadership which was before advanced leaders and and managers of 10 years plus i had none of that experience but they invited me to join anyways for some reason i don't know but i i did the course um and it was um, and it was interesting. Yeah, it was on like I focus on disaster management and these really complex situations and things. So it was interesting. And what's, when did you meet your wife? Um, good question. I I came back to Australia with the goal of being like fancy free and and you know living the life here um, for you know while I was in Australia. But I think it was like two months later once I got here. I met her in uni. <laughs> I met her a couple of months in, and so that was that. Ten, 
eight, nine years ago, I guess, ten years ago as well. So uh, you married an Aussie and then you became an Aussie? No, she's a Mexican. Okay, but, but she's, what, was she growing up here or she's also from overseas? No, she was, she was on the same kind of plan as I was. You come and do your master's degree. She was doing a separate master's degree in uh, public relations. I was doing mine in the complex systems. Yeah. And yeah, we just met in a in a class that was for people. Yeah, for it was like a writing assistance class or something. Um, so, so how yeah. long ago you guys decided, hey, we we're gonna bring up, look, we're gonna get married, have kids, and bring them up in in Australia? Like it was a long time ago, or how, how did that came about? Good question. Um, I think it's just kind of how life works like you just take it one <laughs> step at a time one day at a time you know and then that kind of after three four years yeah we got engaged and then you get married and then you another couple of years and then you have kids and i've got a baby daughter i don't know what um, what she want to do but there's certain things I took from that experience I may probably gonna apply to her life from from my because things I find exciting things um, had a positive impact from from my perspective but but what I realized that is like um, being a parent we only know, you, you know what you know um, there's a, there's a plenty of stuff you don't know and, and the, the, there's no perfect way to live a life and it, it just we got to enjoy the journey, right? Um, so that's how I, how do you feel about that? Yeah, you have to, you have to enjoy the journey. I think one of the a really good advice that one of my friends gave me was that, you know, this is obviously in the beginning, very, very beginning of the parenting journey um, mm-hmm. compared to your story where uh, I think my baby, my, it was when I had my first baby and. Uh, she was maybe a year old or something and and uh, my friend who had a baby that was like four or kids that were four and four and six i think and they started doing these things like oh they went and got like a little dinghy and they got they had these plans of going out and doing things and taking the kids which when you have the baby it's really not so possible um to do the same way and and she just said um i was like oh it sounds like so much fun that's like that's a great place to be and she said well the thing is is it goes so fast you really just have to lean in and enjoy the phase you're in enjoy the journey you're in at the moment right not about you know how in the future they're going to be able to do more or the opportunities in the future but literally just enjoying and living with part of the journey you're in right now yes maybe there's not as much sleep and you can't go out you can't take them out and do a lot of stuff but there's so much beauty that you can easily look over and easily miss in their lives at each phase so um, if you start looking towards the future too much you lose you just don't have the headspace to be in the moment to be present to enjoy all mm. the beauty that comes with each phase yeah um now share with me you net in business right yes was that an easy decision for you rather than going back to the corporate Yes. <laughs> easy, <laughs> easy decision. Easy decision. Yes. Um, easily executed. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. It's not like 
it takes time it takes effort it takes patience it takes um you know doing a lot of things but it's not something i, I it wasn't difficult because i love doing it it wasn't you know it wasn't painstaking i think the things that are difficult for me in life are the things i don't enjoy doing yeah right? things i think it's difficult because you have to drag yourself through because the work doesn't have a purpose or a meaning right those are the things that are difficult for me to pull myself through where things that i really enjoy things are passionate about things that i'm learning and engaging myself um i wouldn't put them in the difficult i wouldn't put them in a difficult frame but it definitely was a lot to learn and a lot of mess ups and a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of you know being not achieving what i was trying to achieve and then taking time to 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 reach that point um or changing my direction completely right so it wasn't a straight path by any means or or simple it definitely wasn't simple but i wouldn't call it difficult because i enjoyed doing it share with me why you do what you do now about ADHD life coaching how how that came about man yeah great question and just just for context i did jump in cold turkey i did what you're doing i spent like 2 years of part time i did it we- nights weekends that kind of thing so i didn't just jump in cold turkey i had started building my network building collaboration with different companies building my skills you know building my website and that kind of thing and i had that in place before i converted why wow wow um and so yeah go ahead so was something you just really feel strong about it from your personal experience or there is something you recognize you can make a lot more positive impact to others hmm good question and all of the above um for that so i it's um it's been my life journey um growing up with ADHD and so that was that set the foundations for me i think and and um i left some nuggets in my story that i shared earlier that kind of indicated that you know that are kind of consistent with people with ADHD um making you know kind of impulsive decisions on my degrees or you know doing a lot of career changes a lot of different directional changes following what's interesting for myself um and kind of living through emotions and passion i guess as a some common traits with people with ADD. Um so yeah, so it's it's been my life journey. Um and it's something that definitely shaped who I am. Um and through, you know, the good times, well, the good times and also a lot of a lot of learning, a lot of struggle, a lot of figuring out how my brain works and how the world works through my brain and and um I think what I really want to learn more about is your mm. personal struggle because I think they're the important things um are shaping your upbringing and also creating that passion and this is where it resonate with mm. your target audience with the people looking for your help. Mm. Yeah, um that's what sells the tickets huh? the dramas. And yeah, no, it's it's it is an important part of of shaping who I am. Um I was I was diagnosed um the second year of my bachelor's degree. 
uh, when I was still in the US. Uh, I thought I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. I thought I wanted to make rocket ships or something, but it turned out to be more about paper clips and building structures and things. But it was, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed understanding how the world worked, how physics worked, how buildings, you know, stood, how, you know, how kinetic energy worked and all these different bits and pieces of physics worked and, and, and engineering. Um, but I really struggled. I really struggled to take stuff out of the books, put it in my head and put it back on the paper. Um, so at that time of my life, it was very exhausting and emotional and, and overwhelming to be so frustrated about spending so much time and energy into something. Um, and not having the same experience that someone next to you is having, you know, seeing other people do the same or less and create more, um, you know, and you, you wake up every day thinking, oh, I can do this. Like, there's no reason I have the mental capacity to do this, right? This is not, it is physics, it is engineering, but it's, it's the beginning, right? And, and I can see other people doing it around me um, and I'm putting in the effort and putting in the sweat what's happening right and it takes a toll on your on yourself and on your emotion on your self-confidence on the way that you approach things um the, it changes your lens on how you see the world i guess when you're in that space um so i, I reached out and i you know a counselor diagnosed me in, in the u.s and and i got my i got on medication um and that was it for about 10 years um how long took you to recognize what it was and, and to admit it and able to face it to actually, all right, I need to do something about it. I mean, it no, like I said, I was just struggling. You know, it was more about like the emotional toll that I was experiencing that took me to get help or to find out what was going on. Mm -hmm. Right, and then it was the the um, you know the counselor that that I was seeing that suggested the ADHD, um, and you know we started out with some breathing exercises and some vitamin B and these kind of things, and then you know that wasn't changing things. So then we went the route of of medication, and that was you know that was the pathway for that. You know, I didn't you know you think about that ten year old boy like there's. A, a large portion of people with ADHD that don't have hyperactive symptoms right? they don't they're not running around they're just kind of having this invisible challenge in their head right that's not a representation of their intelligence it's not a representation of their capabilities of their personality of anything it's just a struggle to you know manage the way that the information is processed in their head so you look at them and say oh that's a healthy you know, that's a healthy young person with intelligence you know hmm. why can't they do these things and they sit there and think oh, i'm just an i'm a i'm a normal person but i just can't do this stuff like i can't put the information from here to there i can't i can't compute the information that's coming in and, and it's making me feel emotional i don't understand why i'm getting so emotional about this stuff or why i can't convert this information and um you, know, you go through this process and a lot of times it, it's you know it's not hyperactive so it's it is an invisible battle and, but you get through like in school I just got through right I did fine grades were fine I wasn't in trouble I wasn't there was not any you know besides the internal battle I was having 
there wasn't a lot of external things. So you get through, you survive, you find techniques and stuff to survive. And I hear that a lot from my clients, right? They, they're diagnosed in these times of going to university or getting a new job or having family or, you know, or even when their kids are diagnosed, right? Or they see a TV segment or something that reflects on them and they're like, oh, you know what, that's actually me. This is what I've been surviving with my whole life, right? Um, so a lot of times there's not these key indicators that say uh, you have ADHD if you're not, you know, informed by someone or, or, or um, you know, have some reason to be familiar with it. Um, so it is a lot of times it's just pushed through, right? Or, or you know, has a really negative impact on someone's life. There's a large portion of people, they, or a large portion of people in prisons that are, have ADHD, you know, or in the, you know, in lower economic status or lower economic situations because they haven't been able to maintain a job because they don't understand how their brain works. So there's a lot of people that Mm. that never get that wake up moment or have that counselor that tells them or have the resources to make that happen. From your professional opinion, how random can you get it? I mean, is this something to do with you born this way or the food you have or the environment you're growing up? What is it? <laughs> well, there's no, that's one of the challenges as well is there's no like, this is what it is, right? There's no like, this is the, but there is, there is data that shows like up to 75% of the time, there's clear indications of a genetic pathway from a parent or. But there is a, um, a lot of, there's a lot of times a strong genetic pathway that, that, that comes through for your ADHD. And, and, you know, when we're younger, a lot of times it's not picked up because our executive functions are maintained by our parents or by our school, right? So we can get through, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's hyperactive. Sometimes it's it's at a level where the person can't function in, in school in the way they want to. Um, so then it is picked up. Um, I, I, I really respect that professional opinion and, and, and the, the knowledge, but now I'm gonna ask you something very personal. Sure. Uh, based on that, you have two kids. Yes. What What's your thought about that? Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it's a good question. It's obviously something that crosses my mind. Um, one hand, it is what it is, you know, and and I. And then, then there's all there's you know there's a, there's a spectrum of intensities and in the way that impacts us and um, and it is like I see parents and kids all the time it is a struggle it is hard you know particularly making this person with such a you know I really see people with ADHD with these really beautiful brains that work in a really fantastic way but it doesn't necessarily fit the systems that they're put into right they what do you say, mean oh, by that dreaming. well. ADHD people, they tend to live and flourish in this space of novelty and creativity and complexity and emotion and, and you know, all these beautiful parts of life, right? All these things and, and physical activity and, and applying themselves and um, things that they're really passionate about, interesting about, interested mm. in, excuse me. Um, and we see that over and over and over, right? Um, 
but school tends to be more in what I call this transactional space, the space where it's just, it's, it doesn't require extra complexity or emotion or logistics or creativity or any of these things that are the strengths of ADHD people. It's, it's about sitting down and regurgitating information and processing things in the way that you're told to do it and outputting in the way that you're told to do it for without a clear um, gratification or, or purpose. Mm. And that's a really a struggle point for people with ADHD. That's, that's not what we do, right? And yeah. so we get put into these situations where that's what your value is measured against your ability to, to function in this way. Um, and it really can do damage on to people with ADHD um, and, you know, in those fundamental stages of your life mm. and from these people that are important to you, like your teachers, is this someone that you value and someone that's there to educate you and that, you know, that we're supposed to really respect and things. And, and if this person is telling you that you're not doing well or that you're not valuable in the scoring system, then it's really hard. And, and you get that feedback from, you know, you see people sitting next to you that can do it and you think why can't I do it like it's really it's a difficult journey to kind of you know be in this environment that doesn't reflect how your brain works um, and it takes a toll on on families and parents and children and there's there's um yeah so and, and like you said in the beginning with kids there's no rule book there's no there's no, you know, there's books and there's guides and there's things, but there's no rule book. There's no, there's no guide no. to parenting. It is, you do the best you can with what you have. And everybody has a different history and a different perspective on life and a different perspective on the challenges and how your children are supposed to succeed in life. And then you, you know, if your child has a mind that functions differently with something like ADHD, or there's a whole spectrum of, of ways that your child can function differently that doesn't reflect the way school is done, then it's really challenging and and it can have detrimental effects on on the child's feeling of value and the parents feeling of their ability to be a parent and and a lot of potential stress um, and anxiety from that am i right by saying now most of your work are specializing helping out grown-ups <laughs> grown-ups yeah like like adults. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah adults because so, a lot of yeah. this, you the the scenarios you described to me, we're talking. Mm. I feel like we're talking about um, teenagers or, or or uni kids, right? But mm. for 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 grown ups, and what I mean by that, in your mid twenties or your mid thirties, mm. um, you experience different things in life, and mm. you know there is relationship, there is you know um, make a living and you know um, contribute and gain knowledge and it's it's i mean it's a in the negative word we say a lot more struggle but it's mm. just long a lot more um complex as mm. as a young adult life or, or, or middle age right mm. so how like it's it's probably even tougher like if you diagnose with adhd in younger i mean like there's a, you still have a lot of opportunity to, to change because you don't there's a lot there's not a lot of burdens around you and there's not that much responsibility mm. um so what's that like mm. um yeah 
I do primarily work with adults, like people 18 plus, you know. Um, yeah. And yeah, I really enjoy it. Like it's it's really interesting. And and and, and what happens is is when you're younger yes your your a lot of your executive functions can be supported by your family and, and by your school and things and there's definitely struggles and and uh, you know with school and that whole ecosystem and 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 the challenges socially with your family and your friends um yeah but when you're when you're an adult um it is it's taking that from what we've learned from more younger plus being an environment that that all of a sudden we are well when you shift to leaving home or these different stages we become more responsible for our executive functions right so these time management this planning this preparation this memory remembering things where you're supposed to be on time and functioning with your environment around you in a kind of like current time right and, and planning what you're going to be doing in the future and remembering what you've just talked to someone about and all these challenge these can be quite challenging things for people with ADHD um, and so there is a lot of like I guess what you said responsibility um, and more opportunities for our a lack of executive strength in our executive functions to um, to support our goals so when we don't have you know our goals can be put off because we don't have the strength in these executive functions um and that can lead to challenges um and and they can stop us from or they can you know what i like to say is that we can we can move mountains right people with adhd they have these beautiful creative minds and and they really think outside the box and they see things differently a lot of times um, and they can move mountains and they can be passionate and energized and emotional and then really people get excited about their ideas and, and, and they get excited about them. But then we have these little pebbles <clears throat> along the way that can really just stop the whole process and they can throw us off. Um, and those things tend to be around these transactional tasks, these executive function heavy tasks of completing, you know, doing the writing part, doing the, the business application, doing the job application, you know, turning in turning in the paperwork or being there on time um you know responding to questions in real time these kind of things can really um imp you know be the pebbles that stop us from moving these mountains um and yeah as you know as being a parent they only get you only have more opportunities to use <laughs> use these ex <coughs> sorry um as as a parent there's only more opportunities to, you know, to use your executive functions, right? To, to make sure you have modern the kids' time, managing their ability to do things, making sure they're on places and they have clean clothes and that they have their food ready and all these things that we have to now track as well. So there is a lot more um, demand put on the individuals. So Asia came around that is if you have it and ADHD does it come and it go or once if you have it you're always going to have it it just matter of like a it's it, the whether it's going to be severe or it's going to be I just I have no idea about it like it's mm. a good question um, you know and there's people with different opinions on this um, some people think that it, it, it goes away at 30 
Um, I can tell you from my personal experience and most of my clients, it doesn't. Um, but we do, you know, manage it in different ways and we do learn skills and we do strategize and we do find our, potentially our strengths and find our way to thrive or to live with it. Um, so it becomes less of a, less of an impact um, or more, right? So potentially less, so they could think it maybe goes away. Um, or, you know, sometimes the hyperactive part, you know, that's really, that can be apparent in some kids and young adults. Um, those symptoms can kind of reduce when you get over, when you get a bit older and you mature more um, and you become, you know, you find strategies to cope with your hyperactivity or it just kind of reduces and you're just too tired to be hyper <laughs> or something when you get older. I'm not, I'm not sure to be honest with you, but, but I do see that where the hyperactivity can kind of become manageable when you're an adult. Um, but the, the underlying challenges and, you know, the symptoms of, of ADHD are one part of it that are really manageable and there's medications that, that can really help with that or, and there's strategies and there's mindsets and tricks and all that stuff that can really help with that. But on the flip side is this cycle of anxiety and potential depression that can come from, come from being ADHD, that can come from trying to make your mind work with a system that doesn't work for you, right? Pretending to be a person that works like you see other people do or how you think a normal brain does and you put those expectations and on yourself and and you promote yourself that way um and then other people have that expectation on you um for you and that can really breed the anxiety and that can breed the the depression and when you do that it takes up a lot of headspace and that headspace takes away from the adhd person's ability to do the tasks that are difficult for them, right? When you're tired, you're exhausted, you're anxious, you don't have that excess energy. You need to try to do the transactional tasks, to do these logistical tasks to, to thrive in life. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a vicious cycle, and then, and um, which one is more impactful, right? 